you're listening to Truthbook with me, Catherine Smith, a mum and clinical psychologist. I am on a mission to get us more connected, sharing real stories about family life. You will let out a sigh of relief knowing it's not just you, be empowered by other people's words and share a giggle at the funnier side of family life. And on this episode, Rosie Butler shares her truth book about what really went on behind the scenes of what looked like an idyllic camping trip. Being a third culture kid and having a natural affinity with swans and the desire to be independent from our family just for a week. I'm welcoming Rosie to Truthbook today, a fellow Brit in Tassie, hence we became instant friends. And Rosie shared a picture with me the other day of a family camping trip, to which I replied, that looks awesome. Only later over coffee did she say what really happened. But there's more behind the scenes to Rosie. At age 16, she decided to leave her parents in Dubai and go to boarding school in Durham in England to repatriate her home country. After some colourful boarding school and uni antics, she managed to pass occupational therapy with a first and decided that she was going to live in Australia at the age of 21. So she found herself living in a wee town called Penguin that we now both call home. And shortly after arriving Tassie, she met her now husband Andrew and they have two kids, five and three. Having had enough of working for health services with her ability to make bold decisions, in 2018 she set up her own OT private practice, Penguin OT. And her physio husband has recently joined this business, Penguin Physio. (laughs) You may start to gather that folk from Penguin love their town name and name everything after it. So Rosie, welcome to Truthbook. Thanks so much for having me, Catherine. Thank you, because we haven't known each other for that, that long. Well, how long has it been? I was trying to tell someone about you the other day. Um, January, February? It's beginning of school, beginning of February. It's probably been weeks. It has been months, it? Hasn't has it has been weeks. Well, but we've done a lot. As a fellow Brit, there's, yeah, you just you instantly connect. connect and you know what it's like to land in a place... Absolutely, and need those people to connect with. You've got to, you've got to make connections when you get to that new place, haven't you? You absolutely, because you, otherwise you're you're on Floundering. your own. And I'm going to ask you more about that, but I think let's go straight to that story oh, that you the told camping me trip. of the camping trip because you gen- the, the picture trip. really was a oh, lovely. The beautiful, pictures are beautiful, aren't they? Yeah, family moment, and I think I did write a message about oh, that. That looks awesome. But it looked lovely. Yes, it did. So, so we've had we've we've had two camping trips. We bought a caravan. I was very excited to go out in the caravan for obvious reasons. Andrew was in charge of packing, <laughs> and he did and, a brilliant job. And he was very proud. He was, and he did so well because he had the kids too. So he tidied the house, got all the food, packed the whole caravan, set up the car. I'd been off on patrol come back from the beach we were ready to go I asked Andrew what what do I need to bring and he said I've done everything all you need to bring is a change of clothes I thought that is amazing fantastic we pulled up at the campsite we did not have the keys for the caravan (laughs) which is the first really important thing that we'd forgotten and that we couldn't get into the box to actually unhitch the caravan from our car 
we it had been it had been so stressful actually getting out the house to the campsite that by the time we were there, I didn't want to leave. So we left the caravan hitch to the car. Thought that would be fine. The car's suspension is now not working <laughs> at all. Oh, well, it's probably working a bit. It's not working as it should anyway. It's got a lovely warning light up there that tells me every time mm. I turn it on. What else did we forget? Oh, we forgot duvets, dunas to Australians. It was cold. It's it's pretty cold now overnight, isn't it? And that maybe had been the short straw for you. Oh, that was that was probably the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, I can't. I like a bit of comfort, Catherine. I couldn't sleep without a doona <laughs> duvet. Oh no! So that was when when I discovered that I did say, Andrew, you're going to have to go back to the house and get all this stuff. Bless him. So he managed to hitch a lift with somebody else. Went back to the house, got the duvets. Got the cooking implement, so bless him, he brought all of the food that we needed and actually done a really good job figuring out what we were going to cook in the caravan, which we haven't done much of. Didn't bring any pots and pans, didn't bring a lighter to light the gas stove. Just like so close, but pivotably far. Like it's just, they were just such important things that you couldn't get round. And do you know what? We could have asked people. There were other people camping there. It's just that I didn't know them and didn't want to. And asking to share a borrow a duvet yeah. might be a bit too personal. <laughs> Overstepping the mark a bit. Yeah. yeah, so he did. He went back home. He got all this stuff. So then it was fine. Yes. We had all the stuff we needed, but it was just stressful. It wasn't fun. The kids loved it, I think. Or it, they got to pack their own bags. They did. <laughs> they did. Our five-year-old and three-year-old did get to pack their own bags. What a great responsibility, but oh, what, did, I know. what did they pack? Oh, Aileen packed some really weird and wonderful stuff, but had pretty much everything she needed. She'd mm. remember to pack her blanket, which she needs to sleep with, which when I found out she'd packed for herself, I was like, oh, God, if we don't have this blanket, nightmare, like a snuggle mm. blanket. She'd packed a poncho, just in case. In case you needed to be smart. You never know. And she'd done really good. She had, like, two jumpers, two shirts, two trousers, pants, socks. Jonathan had very little. <laughs> what did Jonathan pack? He didn't pack enough. There weren't enough clothes for him. He did wear. But then we were there for a night, so he wore the same clothes. That was okay. I think maybe a bit too much responsibility, too young. Uh-oh. Had we been somewhere further and it had actually mattered, it would have been less ideal. So luckily you could redeem and go back and get the vital Oh, that's it. So we went back, got the duvets, or what Andrew did, got the duvets. That was, yeah, that was the main thing. The duvet really pushed me over. Oh, I I certainly found it very reassuring to hear the story, having had many camping trips where maybe I've been the main packer. And you just kick yourself, like you've forgotten that one thing. And do you know what? I am usually the main pack like usually I put everything in and when I do forget things I'm like well I can't be expected to remember everything and feel quite high and mighty in my I have packed 99% you can forget about that 1% because I did the 99 and you better appreciate it you do when the roles were reversed however how could you how could you forget my duvet how so I do think it is very different when someone else is responsible because you've put all your effort and you spent all day packing. Oh, and he and had. then it's the other person's fault that you forgot stuff. Clearly, yeah. because they hadn't helped or they hadn't. Actually, probably just need to improve our 
packing. Yeah, we need a list. That's what came of it is we need to write a list, which we haven't done, so obviously we're not going to. But one day in the future we'll write a list and we'll be very organised. And should we ever go camping with you, then I'll maybe pack a few extras. <laughs> yeah, not <laughs> just not come to us when you've forgotten something because we definitely won't have it. But it it resolved in the end. Oh, it did. And it was it was a night and the kids enjoyed it and we got to go out in the caravan. And I don't think we'll forget the duvet again. No. It, hopefully lessons will be learned. Hopefully. And the kids might start to pack their own clothes or maybe a little was, bit of help. I was quite amazed by Aylan's packing abilities, actually. It's, we sometimes, yeah, don't give them enough responsibility. No, she was pretty good she really thought about what she needed that's good yeah and we were we were talking at the beginning that we've we're both not from here and you mentioned you found we've kind of found a bit of a tribe in the surf lifesaving absolutely but you've not had parental support that maybe you would have had if you were back home oh definitely and that wider family community, I think. Yeah, yeah. So what might be easier to start with, what would you say have been the more stressful <laughs> moments when you've just... Had enough. What have been... Do you know, funnily enough, it's been when we've actually been away. So like when we've gone back home to Dubai, to England, wherever we've gone back to see family and had that time come back to Australia, back to Tassie, and we're jet-lagged, and the kids are not going to sleep, and we haven't done the shopping, so we've been away for however many weeks. That's the really hard times. That's the times, like, jet-lagged, no food, no routine, the kids don't know what's going on. I think that's my biggest challenge. And is there an element of having seen family, connected with them, maybe happy to come back but seeing that yeah probably and knowing that it's going to be a while for the kids before they get to have those relationships again yeah yeah Yeah. definitely and especially the contrast of coming from there where everyone desperately wants to spend time with the kids and having much more us time me time so time without the children because everyone wants to take them and see them and hang out with them play with them entertain them engage them and then coming back to, oh my gosh, it is 100% us again. And not having anyone to hand off to. Yeah. And so you're just exhausted, overwhelmed by what is an enormous flight back from England. In saying that, though, the last time we did that from England, Jonathan was maybe two months old. Oh. So that was a long time ago. And we got married and we got, it was so that was the last time you were yeah. back in England. Yeah, Aylan's never been back or been there. You can't go back to somewhere you've never been, can you? No, and partly COVID, partly travelling. Yeah. But the something that we've talked a lot about is that idea of where you do call home. Definitely, because and the concept of home as a... Yeah, because you've been brought up in England, Dubai and then break, made your break to Australia where you've Definitely. been for more of your life, is that? It's Al- got... Almost. I, this is Penguin's definitely the longest I've lived in one place. Yeah. And our house, before we've moved to the house you've seen, we lived there for five years, and I'm pretty sure that's the longest I've lived in a house for. And I was pretty 
antsy to leave. I've got to say, I was ready for a change. Because that's ingrained in I you think move so. around. Yes. And you were saying, actually, do I want to give the kids home stability settle, or do I want to give them the freedom? The freedom. What's this term that's been called coined the third culture? Yes, absolutely. So I think, and it's just such a, it's probably one of the biggest things I grapple with in parenthood is, is there a better one? Which one do I want my kids to have? Do I want them to be stable and to feel at home? And in trying to create that, so we are trying to create their home and stability in Penguin. Is this their home? Are they going to feel like this is their home when they're older because they were brought up here? Because in a similar sense, amongst other places, I was brought up in Dubai, but I wouldn't consider Dubai my home. My parents weren't from there. My family wasn't there. Yet that it's a place I've lived, but is it home? I don't know. And are the kids going to feel that Penguin is home? I hope they do. But will they? Yeah. And because Andrew's from... Andrew's from the Isle of Man. Isle of Man. So you're both from from Britain. This isn't home in the sense of where you're from. No. But it's going, you're kind of trying to make it home. But it, what's fascinating is that you even consider that and have, think about your kids and whether you want to give them that yes. option. Because for, for, I imagine the majority of people, you, you just, you live where you live and you don't necessarily feel that you've got a huge amount of choice about where you can live because you've got jobs and you've got family and you've got friends I was certainly that person that was like, yeah no I, I want, want those live. roots established in a place like each of those roots the family roots the work roots the responsibilities roots it would be so hard to tear yourself away from that and does that have any play in how you set your life up here are you reluctant would you ever be reluctant to put too many roots down I don't think I can I don't know if I can actually put roots down Mm. I don't know if I have that capacity really because I think I've tried to make roots in penguin but equally I'm quite content that when I leave there is nothing of me here and that doesn't bother me so you've been used to transitioning and moving and I don't expect to have a mark on a place and I don't mm. think I really want that I don't want there to be things of me left there that hold you to that place yeah and it is what it is while it's happening and then it's not because you, you were saying when people do move on or when you move on you're quite ha- happy with that you're used to saying goodbye absolutely and actually we might not be in touch again and it's over and that's okay it was cool while it lasted yeah and, and it's the same with places I think houses stuff don't form a massive relationship with material items either I like my stuff Mm. but when Mm. I moved from England to Australia didn't really bring a huge amount with me didn't particularly miss what I'd left behind so if you weren't to give the kids that let's say you stay here and you make your roots here yes what do you think be the what what would they potentially miss out on the idea that the whole world is available for them to explore Mm. and not just explore but to be in and to integrate in and if they saw this awesome job that was happening in japan 
go to Japan and check it out and see what it's about. And that's mm. just such a good opportunity. Why would you not do it? Because it's not in Penguin in Tasmania. Yeah. And to go to university on the mainland or to go to university in England, like go to university wherever you like and feel confident to do that. And I think, but I think I will hopefully be able to, my parents were able to instill in us, which is just, has made such an impact in my life that there is really no worst case scenario that is actually bad. So we have a very privileged, I had a very privileged upbringing. Mm. Luckily, I've never had to worry financially, which means that when I moved over to Australia, the worst thing that would have happened is I would have not liked it and gone back to England or gone back to Dubai or tried America. There isn't huge flexibility, just massive. And I think having that confidence and that knowledge that think about the worst things that can happen, but realize that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. And for someone where your roots are embedded, the thought of leaving could feel really scary. Scary, yes. And the impact that, that might have on other people if it's not in your normal. And what might be the advantages for your kids of making penguin their roots and, and having putting those roots down? I think being confident in their home would be a nice thing to have a mm. home. Because mm. I don't I don't when I said we went back home mm when we were traveling as soon as i'd said it i was like where did we actually go though did we go to dubai or england where did i just indicate home was because they're neither it's just a word that i use because other people use it and so england being home i think what i mean when i say that is england is where my family are i think that's what i mean it brings into question, doesn't it, what home is? And yes. does it have to be a real physical thing or can it be a values-based home is where I feel safe or comfort, yeah. is where I have connections, you, you, you have your own interests. Maybe when you move somewhere, then you find that team or for, for, you, for you just moving to different clubs or having that community. And it seems to be, it seems to be a very important part of other people's impression of someone new. So when I meet someone, it's often, what's your name? Where are you from? Where are you from? Yeah. And the kids at the moment would 100% say penguin. Mm. We're from penguin and they feel like they're from here and that's really cool because as a child, I was always, I would usually defer the question and either say my parents are from England or I would say I live in wherever we were living or I think I would, as I got older, I would say England. I'm from England, despite the fact that I hadn't been born or raised in England at that time. It's, it's almost like you just have to choose somewhere. Yeah, because you can't say something. Because nobody sing. actually really cares. It's just a question we ask. Yeah. And as soon as they've answered, you kind of move on. You, you do. They, they want to just place you. Yes. Quantify yeah. you. Classify yeah. you. Yeah. But I do think that this third culture kid is much more normal and when I was growing up mm. we were one of many there's lots of us it's so nomadic now globalization like it's a lot of the population of many places is a third culture kid and I think we have created I've got a good bond with other third culture kids I automatically or third culture kid adults I suppose 
automatically bond with them and feel connected and feel comfortable because we're very similar in many ways. And I think that as that extends to the world and more people are third culture kids than they are not, just allows for a lot more acceptance of other cultures, acceptance of other people, that tribes that are created in things that aren't what they used to be. So it's not community tribes in a place or a locality. It's tribes that we've met at Surf Club. It's people from everywhere. Well, I mean, 90% penguin, but we're all so different. <laughs> yeah. And we've come together and there's not, I can't imagine another area where our group would be in that group. Because we were talking about how you don't have direct family here, but then you do create a tribe because you you do need to have that community. community. But as a parent, and I'm recently discovering this as well, that it can feel overwhelming at times and you can't just ask friends to come out and help out in the way that you could Family. with grandparents. It's no. just, it's different. How do you cope in those... We don't. Just, in fact, I remember when your kids went off with the older ones at the surf club, you and Andrew were just like, <gasps> this is the first time that that's happened. Where are our kids? We don't know where our kids are. <gasps> this is so nice, but we should this know where amazing. they are. Where are they? <laughs> should we go and look at them or should we just leave them? No, that's it. We don't. We they The kids went to daycare. And so there's a lovely daycare down the road and the women are just beautiful and they have loved our kids like they are part of their family. Mm. But outside of that, we have not, other people don't look after them. We've never had babysitters. We've, we just don't. This year, now that Jonathan's in kinder, he's made a good friend and their parents will sometimes walk home with him and keep an eye on him. And that's the most freedom, I guess, he's had from us, but also someone else to take part of the load that we've ever had. So, yeah, no, we just didn't and it is it's overwhelming and exhausting and mm. it would be nice for the kids to see a fresh face <laughs> but they saw us yeah every day and have you got a sense of what you might look like in those overwhelmed moments this is something i ask everybody whether it's a, a color or a noise or an image do you know i'm usually i'm very as i think i've said before generally very stable and mild you are almost all of the time I just don't I certainly don't express big emotions but I sometimes feel them so I think mm. I'd have to say color and it would have to be blue and I think it's because of the sea and mm. the mm. power that can be laying under the sea, yet on top it is just fairly flat or there's beautiful waves rolling in, but God, the power in those waves that you can't touch or feel that is there, that's got to be it. That is a beautiful description and links with quite a common one about the duck or a swan yes. who's floating beautifully on top, but they're paddling serene. furiously underneath. Exactly. And that is a lovely skill to have mm. that's maybe just come quite naturally to you. It's something that the, the ability to not 
actually engage in those emotions and definitely keeps you pretty level-headed can cope with anything yeah but underneath you are aware that this is a difficult situation yeah and i think people can misunderstand or miss what word am i going for people don't necessarily see the strength and the power that's in you when you are so mild because you're not shouting and you're not screaming and you're not swearing but I can feel very strongly about things and still be able to express my point calmly and well I'm good in a debate because I don't get flustered Mm. when someone gets flustered they are just on the downhill because you start linking in things that aren't relevant and it can just get picked apart so easily because I am calm and listening and going, oh, no, you've lost it there. That's my in. Do you think you're quite naturally mindful? Are you? Can you notice all that stuff that's going on but not engage in it, which is a real... I, I don't know because I've tried. I've actively tried to be mindful. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I yeah. don't know if I naturally am. I think my brain is different in some ways, so I don't... Aphantasia, so I don't picture things in my brain at mm. all. Mm. Got very, very poor autobiographical memory. So lots of my memories as a child is things that I know happened, mm. but I don't necessarily recall images or memories associated with that. It's just more of a, I know I lived in Dubai, I know I was born in Scotland, I know I went to school there but I don't remember any of the people or situations from that time necessarily which I Mm. think is what helps me with that detachment when I leave a place because like I don't actually remember half the stuff that happened but it was good while it happened live in the moment yeah and the bad stuff too I don't remember like that camping trip I know I know it was really bad immediately afterwards I did not enjoy that but looking at it now in hindsight all of the emotions associated with it are gone. It's just me telling a story. And isn't that a lovely thing to remind ourselves? This moment will pass. Oh, right everything. now it's stressful, but it will pass. Be and gone. You You also sound like you, you don't continue to dwell on things and mull over what happened and why Definitely didn't I do this? Not. Why didn't I do that? And how, but yeah, you've, just, you've moved on. Yeah, there's no no analysis of my past behaviour at all. I just go, sometimes I'll go, oh, that was embarrassing, I won't do that again. But generally, once something's happened, I just go, oh, yeah, that was awkward. And then move on. When do you feel that you're at your best as a mum? When am I at my best? When I'm having fun with the kids. Mm. When we're doing something that I enjoy and that they are engaged with, usually. And I think I enjoy that more than when I'm engaging in something that they enjoy. I love that. That's really nice. But when they are getting joy out of something that I love, that gives me even more pleasure. Because you're not having to kind of fake yes. your enjoyment at exactly so if i'm reading a book just one of my books and they come over and want to see what i'm reading i'm like yes that's awesome more than i enjoy them reading a kid's book with me i'm like oh this is all right but i'm glad they're reading yeah or i'd rather be reading something good (laughs) making yet another 
mud concoction in exactly. the garden or, or the constant sandcastles yes or wanting to, to draw pictures or do yeah but it's if it's something that you're both enjoying it is much easier oh, to really immeasurably more fun yes yeah mm-hmm. and in that moment are, are you on on top of the sea nice and calm what would be the color or image well see i think that? i am the sea mm. I can be, because, you know, it changes so much, doesn't it? It can be so calm. It can be so huge and powerful. And also the the, the weather or the sea conditions are always changing. Mm. And even though it can be in a storm, there is going to be a calm period And the after influence it. that, not necessarily me so much, because I don't outwardly change my emotion too much, but seeing the impact that other people's emotions can have on those around them I've always found so amazing I love watching that when you walk into an awkward room or situation and everyone (laughs) just immediately goes oh this is awkward what's going on here and you can just feel it oh I'd like you to come and you 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 should be on a fly on our our wall in our house because sometimes (sighs) the morning is beautiful and I have to confess I'll come in and I want everything done now. And I, yeah, the, the atmosphere changes and I'm changes. very aware of it. I love observing that. Getting, I love seeing it. Yeah, and I know what you mean when someone, but maybe because you're able to be that bit detached and you don't become involved in it. Can, yeah, it doesn't affect me as much as I see other people. Mm. Oh. And I guess that maybe helps much. in your work as well because you've been you have patients that have some mental health yep. problems and you've been quite interested in getting a bit more involved in that. hundred percent. And well, that's, and that's, I guess, made it possible for you to go out on your own as well, because you can kind of create your own niche service. Definitely. And I really like in having my own business, being able to pick and choose what I want to do. So to be quite confident in my I am not good at that and I don't want to do that and I want to just do a really good job at the things I'm good at. Mm. Whereas when you're working for somebody else, you do what you're given. Like it's Yeah, but again it possibly coming back to the third culture kid, the confidence, the flexibility it gave you, because to go out on your own takes it does take confidence. Yes. And competence as well and and being okay with making your own decisions, where you're going to work. And again, do you know what? And I've always had that background of the privilege and knowing that. And so moving from mum and dad who were just there for me and supported me and happy with what I was doing and helping me to do that when I made decisions Mm. or allowing me to do that, I guess, to being with Andrew and him completely backing me up with whatever I'm doing and so he just kept chugging away at work I knew that if it didn't work out for me financially it was fine because we had him to fall back on Mm. and I think I've always had that stable support in the background to allow me to be so free and that's an important thing to acknowledge and to be grateful for oh definitely you've had that so hopefully we can provide that for the kids yeah and not create a monster of a spoiled brat, but rather the confidence of that privilege. Yes, which is an important balance. Fine line. 
Definitely. Yeah. And that, I think, I hope they're kind. I think that's one of the things I really want mm. my children to be confident, kind. Kind. Don't, yes. It's so hard to know yes. how to instill values and what is just them and what can you teach and I hope they're kind. Yeah, I think that's what we'd all wish. Mm. And sometimes the responsibility that we bear as parents can almost be sometimes too much. You don't really want to fully accept. It's hard to think about how we are, how we are, how our our yeah, have power over forming a human mm. that's then going to interact with the world. It is hard. And sometimes I think without other family around, this. It's, it's just us. There isn't the friends, but friends don't tend to have such a big influence as other. No. And sometimes that makes me a little bit sad because I think, well, there's not. <laughs> it's just, oh my goodness. But it's a, it's a bad thing because you know all the input that they're getting, really, because it's from you. Well. Yeah, you have complete control. Yeah. Yeah, yes. which is which... <laughs> another good thing <laughs> for a well rounded human being. Yes, that's always. That's, but then. The opportunities that the kids are being given, or well, for us, like having moved away, then that contributes, I guess, to the well-rounded. And you were saying it by seeing different cultures, and I guess that's one of the things you, you can. Your own actions can be kind, and that can instill those values. But the more flexible they are, the more mm. people they meet, more cultures they meet, then the more, then they are able to adapt to that. Yeah, I think just yeah, the more accepting someone is, mm. the better. It will be. Yes. What do you think we do need to talk more about as families? What do we need to talk more about? I think we need to talk more about the differences in others. But it's very hard, even as a trained allied health professional, when my children see someone with a obvious physical disability, it's really hard to know how to address it, when to address it, what to say. But I want to address it. I want to address the fact that different is the same for everyone we'll be able to pick a difference in every single person we see that's just the difference you picked for that person walking down the street or rolling down the street or however they're going down the street mm. i think that's what we need to talk more about for everything for culture for language for disabilities mm. yes that's very poignant actually what you're saying because even just last night we went out for dinner and there was a blind chap i mean he had a stick and Ailey was fascinated. Yes. Absolutely fascinated and pointing and staring. And I was trying to manage that by saying, well, we maybe don't want to stare open and just say that you can't see me. But I say, if the people around him can see that you're staring. Sorry. But having that as uh, eat to make it easier to have those conversations and mm. not make it an, an awkward thing. Yes. And knowing, yeah. knowing, because I'd love, there was one situation which panned out very well but could have not done and in hindsight I was thinking that was lucky 
There was a gentleman in a wheelchair, in a powered wheelchair, at the supermarket. Jonathan absolutely loved his powered wheelchair, just thought it was the coolest go-kart, basically. (laughs) Wanted to go and see it. It's like, go up and have a look. Go and talk to the man about his wheelchair. I reckon he'd love to talk to you about it. Jonathan did that. They had a wonderful conversation. He got to have a go of the controls. Loved it. Afterwards, I was thinking, that man really didn't get a choice in that. I just kind of sent Jonathan over, assumed he'd be fine, and be happy with the interaction but I probably should have gone over first and just given him a little heads up asked if it was okay and then introduced Jonathan (laughs) rather than lumping him with a child but he did he dealt with he was beautiful he was a lovely man let Jonathan have a go Jonathan still adores powered wheelchairs he thinks they're the funnest toy that's ever been so it was a great experience I should have been a bit more mindful Although I also wonder if we could take uh, advice from the kids on this because they are so beautifully mindful and unaware of all the awkwardness or the yeah. the sensitivity that they just rock up and say, well, why are you in a wheelchair or what's wrong with your face? They don't have all those barriers. Yeah. And they want to know, they want to learn. They just want to broaden the horizons yeah and maybe if if that's more normal in our conversations and and culture and as you said everyone has something different it's just some people it's a bit more visible yeah exactly and that's what makes it the talking point Mm. and it all gets much more complicated as we enter into adult life oh and we get all these social norms to try and maintain yes which some of which you really want your kids to avoid definitely but that's a whole other can of worms, actually. Yes. <laughs> Going on, my mind immediately goes to all the social media and the need for phones. I dread, I dread tackling social mm. media and technology with our children. Yeah, but yeah, link, linking that with, I guess, in, in, in a positive way, there's more exposure to, to people leading different lives and different culture. But it, it depends on what you're, what you're looking at. Cause it, oh, I've got... I, it's got to be overwhelmingly, mm. like percentage-wise, there's so much more bad in it than good, it feels like. Yeah, because with your kids at three and five, you've got that beautiful moments where they, they oh, just we've just fully quite happy to watch them. TV and yes. they, they haven't got YouTube or any of that oh, yet. Oh, no. And yeah. it's, just, it's just such a very small part of their life where I can see in all the other teenagers that I see in life that it is then going to become one of the most important part of their life. Like, mm. it's going to become the major it's how they can, form it's, of yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. As we draw this to an end, have you got a truth book confession for us, Rosie? So, as with everyone, I think I just thought about this way too much. <laughs> but I do. Okay. I've got something. So, we have... I've talked a lot about the fact that I've moved around a lot and have not stayed in one place for long, and this is the longest I've stayed in one place. I just dream about the day that I can start going away and doing something elsewhere again. Mm -hmm. What I would love to do is fly in, fly out, I think, to either Northern Territory or Western Australia and go up there and work for a week in their communities and then come back to Tassie and be back with my family. But I'd love, I'd love when I do that to go and do it on my own and for it to be my thing. 
and not a family holiday and not an experience for the kids and not a couple's weekend just to go and to be me and to go and integrate into a new place and to do that again is that that sounds like it's a confession that maybe it's a bit of a guilty pleasure oh exactly is it a guilty pleasure i wouldn't do it now because i would feel like i was abandoning the kids leaving the kids to go off and be selfish and to do this because it's completely for me oh well i'd be getting paid like it would be a job but it's i want to do it so i wouldn't do it now because i wouldn't want to leave the kids and i'd be leaving them for a week and andrew would have to do everything himself with the kids and at home and it would be hard it would be hard work on everyone else but gosh i just i'd love to and i don't want to go off and have a holiday somewhere that's not what i want i don't want a holiday i want that living working integrating into a new place and i feel like that's such a good balance in my need to do that yet giving the kids their roots and home and stability why is that important to you to, to do that what's i don't i think it's just innate like i just I, it's it's definitely a want not a need i could just stay here forever but i'd love to i'd love to go mm. and experience a new culture again that's but for you, the maternal guilt, would it be fair to say, of... Is winning uh, right is, now. Is winning right now. And I think it'll win for the next maybe five years. At the age that your kids are at. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll go. I think this needs... This sounds like it's going to happen. I'd be surprised if it didn't. Once I've got an idea for something... Yeah. It tends to happen. So at the moment, it's a bit of a guilty thought, but it's one that... I think particularly just because I want to not have the family with me. And I think yeah. it's just, it's very different as a quite free and confident youth, teenager, young adult, to adjust to having other people that I need to consider. I love, I absolutely mm. adore having the kids and I love being able to focus my world around them. But Andrew too, so all of my decisions impact Andrew. Mm. And I didn't really have that before. Like I could move to a different country and it not have to impact my parents. I could do anything I wanted and the only person that would benefit or disadvantage by that would be me and that was fine. I could make all my decisions focused on me. Whereas now there are other people, that's what makes it a bit more tricky and why it's a guilty pleasure. Because in the past, I would be there, but I've got to consider those other people and can't be as selfish anymore. Yeah, that's family. That's family. Family life. But maybe one day, then you, you can when things are... Hopefully one day you'll see a picture of me in Northern Territory on Facebook. No, yeah, maybe I'll be with you. <laughs> oh, sorry, you want to go on your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, Rosie, it has been an absolute pleasure. We've just been chatting and it's been a pleasure having you on Truthbook. So thank you very much, having not known me <laughs> for that long. Thank you for being up, for coming on. No, absolutely. It's always good to have a chat. It is. Thank you very much. 
Oh, hearing Rosie's truth book was so reassuring to me. To hear I'm not the only one that forgets camping essentials like a lighter or sleeping bags. And she really left me pondering the idea about where home is, what it is, what it means to you. For me, it's been so many places. Sometimes it's a tent for a week or Tasmania, where I live now, and in Scotland, where I'm from. Sometimes I'll say home home, referring to Scotland, as opposed to just home in Tasmania. But I guess it can be so many places, and I wonder if it's more of a feeling than a tangible thing. And that means that we can carry it with us wherever we are. For Rosie, that certainly seems to be the case, that home travels with her. And I have a feeling that the power underneath her calm exterior will see her dream of travelling again, just for a short while, come true. If you know someone who'd enjoy this episode, please share it with them and subscribe for more episodes. Or maybe you're wondering about coming on Truthbook or know someone who you think would like to come on. Stories of how we navigate family life will inspire and become part of someone else's family survival guide. Check out the show notes with how to get in touch and I look forward to hearing from you.